But we started at Central, you know, at this point in Central New Jersey and did a two-day ride down to the Cape May Lighthouse and dramatically held our very heavy hybrid bikes over our heads, which I didn't realize how light bikes actually, like, can be or should be. They're very heavy. I was like, I don't know how people do this. Hey, what's up? This is Kat. Welcome to the Joyride. Hey, what's up, Joyriders? This is Kat. Welcome to episode number 15 of the Joyride podcast, where we celebrate women on bikes. Uh, you have tuned in for the narcissistic episode of the Joyride, because on this episode, I'm going to be featuring a conversation with myself and Tim Mooney of the Pedal Shift Project. Uh, Pedalshift.net. Go over and check out all the work Tim's doing there. Um, Pedal Shift Project is a really great resource as a bike touring podcast so really great resource there lots of tips and tricks and conversations and um really love the work that tim's doing and i was so excited to be on his show it was really a fun conversation um i feel like we could have been chatting for a while but um thankfully somehow we managed to pull it together uh, so yeah so that's the conversation that is going to be happening here on the joy ride, Tim uh, was gracious enough to allow me to piggyback on his audio. Um, and if you uh, if you have some space, actually not if you have some space, just do this. Highly recommended. Um, Tim's episode, the Pedal Shift Project, came out yesterday. As I know today, as I record this, time's weird in podcast land. Um, so the episode featuring the joyride, featuring the conversation with myself dropped, uh, today as I record this Thursday, August 18th, and I was really excited and honored to be asked to be on there, and it was a lot of fun, and, uh, you should check it out, because he's got lots of content around that, so what you hear on this, uh, show is only the dialogue between us, but he's got, like, a show around it, so it's pretty cool. So, this week in Badass Women on Bikes. Evie Stevens, it's still the Rio edition. Evie Stevens has announced that she is retiring. Um, if you're not familiar with Evie Stevens, she's a, a pro cyclist here uh, in the United States. Um, well, I mean, she's international. She's in Rio, for heaven's sake. Um, and she's been all over riding her bike all over Europe and winning stuff. And, and her story uh, as to, like, why I just think she's super cool and, like, sort of her claim to fame here is that she was working on Wall Street um, until 2009. Uh, she was working on Wall Street. She's, um, you know, basically overworked, not super happy. Uh, was trying to sneak in an occasional jog to, you know, help her with her fitness and went out and bought a bike. And um, if you've ever been in New York City, if you've ever ridden in Central Park in New York City and you've done that Central Park loop, it's pretty serious. Um, it can be like, it's it's actually kind of like a crazy experience because you've got tourists and uh, I guess city bike and, and then you've got like the Lycra, you know, pro dudes and... Um, so Evie Stevens buys a bike, I think it was a used bike, and uh, she goes out there and like kind of just kills the Central Park Loop and has this really amazing kind of storied career that happened after that 
which is, you know, she quit her job and decided to pursue cycling full time as a professional, which is not something that most people can do on so many levels, just from, you know, having the ability to do it um, physically and, uh, you know, just the rigor and demand and, the you know, the financial aspect of all of that. Uh, but she went ahead and and has been competing on the international scene for six, seven years now and is just finished up or is finishing up uh, her second appearance in an Olympic uh, setting by being in Rio. Uh, but it's really cool. Like she's done some amazing things. She's a total badass. Her story's great. I'll link up a couple spots where you can read more about that. And I think I, I think I found a podcast a while ago that she was a guest on. So I'll go ahead and make sure that we get you all the details so you can learn about her because she's like, it's the stuff that folklore is made out of, you know, this, uh, she buys a bike to get fit and then ends up becoming a pro cyclist. Like, how does that even happen? It's kind of crazy. Um, so Evie Stevens has announced her retirement from pro cycling and, you know, we are sure, sure, sure excited, um, really excited for her to have been here. I think her story is the stuff that folklore is really made out of. And um, she's definitely contributed significantly to the history of women on bikes. Next in badass women on bikes still the rio edition and i just wanted to make a note here and let you know um i don't know if you saw this crazy crash in the the women's road race but uh, a woman from the netherlands annemiek van flirten uh not very good with the dutch but um annemiek van flirten had a like really this very dramatic very scary looking crash um, almost debating not putting up the video of it because I don't want it to freak you out. Like that's how bad the crash was, but, um, definitely have to, I'll definitely link it up because it's part of her story. And part of the story, uh, the big thing I want to share with you is that, yeah, she was, you know, she was out of commission for that race and out of commission for the Olympics, but she is now back on the bike. She's back home in the Netherlands and, um, you know, just a casual ride, but, you know, the fact that she's, you know, well and able to be back on the bike is really a testament to resilience, the resilience of our bodies, the resilience of our minds, and a testament to how much of a badass Annemiek van Flirten is. Okay, so this week in What I Am Loving on the Bike got two things one is my work schedule has been a little nuts lately and I have been um, I do the bike commute thing now in Portland and these summer nights have been absolutely amazing I know I'm not going to get to say this for much longer I feel an early autumn encroaching already uh, with the coolness but these these amazing summer nights um, you know to ride back from downtown up to where I live in St. John's is like uh, it's a good 40-minute ride for me, and it is kind of desolate and just gorgeous, and um, I've really just been enjoying that. So, you know, a, a little bit of a break from the normal commute, from the normal rush hour aspect of commute, and really been enjoying it. Also, in what I'm loving on the bike this week, uh, this is like a bike snacks version of it, because, and a little bit of a throwback to... Um, 
the the previous episode when we had Leah Benson on, and she talked about those nut butter packets. Uh, yeah, totally obsessed in a maybe dangerous way with with the Justin's honey peanut butter packets. Uh, really, really good. I think I've tried maybe every Justin's variety so far and a couple other ones. It's also the Justin's uh, has a chocolate hazelnut one that's like a sort of like a Nutella. You know, I actually, and I'm like a total chocolate person and it might gross people out about like eating like a packet of something like that. Um, I didn't love it. I actually thought that I'd like that more because um, I just... thought that I would be their target demographic for something like that but it turns out that I'm actually not a not a super big fan um but they're really yummy yeah definitely a little sweet protein a little salty so it's like a good balance of things there um probably salt that's good for you um uh, and I'm hedging a little bit there because like I have uh definitely I just don't think I eat enough salt and so Um, I've always been conditioned to have this like, you know, low sodium, low sodium, but you know, we actually need salt. And if you're eating fresh, uh, non-packaged foods, like you need, you need salt. Um, some of us sweat, uh, out more salt than others. And, uh, I've just been dealing with a lot of like leg cramps lately. Like in fact, right now, not cramping right now but right now I'm sort of still feeling the effect of a cramp that I got yesterday morning when I was getting out of bed that was like kind of crazy and it's making me understand that I need to look at the bike snacks from more of a physiological how does this work with my body point of view Um, but I see how the nut butter packets could be really 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 awesome to like just kind of have in a bag um, have with your camping stuff if you're doing that sort of thing and also I do shakes. Uh, I do like a protein shake in the morning when I get to work. And I think that those nut butter packets could probably do really well in the blender bottle. Something on that is coming up in the future. In other news, um, the Joyride now has its own social media accounts. So you can go ahead and find the show on Instagram, find the show on Twitter, and also on the Facebook. Instagram is the Joyride Podcast. Twitter is just Joyride Podcast because the is a couple characters too long in the Twitter universe. Um, Now it's much, much, much easier to find the Joyride Podcast on social media. And um, while I was looking for that, I noticed that there is another show that came out in July uh, called Joyride. And uh, they are... It's hosted by two women who call themselves the metaphysical moms so that's kind of cool because you know i mean like more joy is better in in my opinion and also metaphysical stuff is kind of cool too so as you're starting to look around for things you may notice uh some conflicting social media someone might look like some uh recording studio with two manicured and groomed professionally groomed long-haired women um that's that's not this show i am not i am not those metaphysical moms um friends of the show the sprocket podcast thanks so much the sprocket podcast for popping on and sending a little bike commute selfie. Um, I do have a call out to basically tell me where you are at. Send me a selfie 
tag the Joyride Podcast. It would be much easier now, but tag the Joyride Podcast and uh, selfie on Instagram of like what you're doing. As long as you're doing it safely, you know, the Joyride Podcast is not responsible for any irresponsible behavior that you that you engage in um but you know take care of yourselves and when when it's safe to do so like let me know what you're doing when you listen to the show because i think that'd be super cool and also you can email me and let me know um what you like what you don't like what you think of these segments and um, most importantly i am collecting snack ideas so send me your favorite bike snacks uh you can email me at the joyride podcast at gmail um, I am a hungry, hungry girl, and I need to know what kind of snacks you like. So let me know. Now, without further ado, uh, I <laughs> would like to introduce you to myself. That's weird. Um, but anyway, here is, the, uh, here is the interview with myself on the Pedal Shift Project podcast with Tim Mooney. We had a lot of fun. Um, and I'm going to say, hang out for one, hang out for a minute. Cause I do have a gap. I want to fill in after the interview. Um, there's just something else I, I want to say about Lael Wilcox. Um, so just when you listen to that, put a little asterisk on it and then stay tuned to the end. Cause there's one particular gap that I want to fill in. All right, let's get into it. Hi, Kat, and welcome to the Pedal Shift Project. Hey, Tim. Thanks for having me. I am so happy to have you here. I cannot remember exactly how I stumbled upon your show, which is the Joyride, and I really I've encouraged the listeners of the Pedal Shift Project to listen to it before, but I'm doing it again. I really dig the show. I like what you're you're bringing. I love the fact that you're we're getting all these cool voices. In bike touring, outside of bike touring, it's just awesome. So I just wanted to say thank you for making the show and for sharing all these great voices with us. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks so much for saying that. I really but appreciate it. The, it. Absolutely. And I also want to know that you're into bicycle touring as well, which I, is a big reason why I wanted to invite you on the show so that we could kind of talk about your story and kind of what your take is on bicycle touring because um, it's just such a, a fun thing and I love to hear other people and one of the feedback pieces of feedback I get is, hey, you know what? You should probably invite other people on your show from time to time. So boom, here you are. So <laughs> I'm curious what got you – What I, I in the questions that I sent you beforehand, I was uh, – Thinking sort of comic booky, you know, origin stories are a big thing in, in right. superhero comic books of my childhood and not so much childhood. But I'm curious what your bike touring origin story is. Oh, goodness. Well, you know, my entire origin story with the bike in general, um, in terms of getting on and riding as an adult, you know, past this point in adolescence where it's for a moment not cool anymore, um, It, I ultimately 10... 10 or 15 years ago weighed about 120 pounds more than I do now and I was in like pretty bad shape physically um was I smoked a pack of cigarettes a day sorry mom um but that's that's like a true thing and um I needed to do something to be active again. Uh, really bad knees, a lot of knee injuries. So, you know, I needed something that was going to be like gentle, but could do this thing and be interesting. And um, 
I remember watching, I think it was on like the Discovery Channel or the Travel Network or one of those types of cable shows. I sort of stumbled upon, I think it was a documentary or something about a supported bike tour through Italy, like through Tuscany. And I'd been to Italy a few years earlier and just thought to myself, what an amazing way to see a place. Like that is just the coolest, that is the coolest thing. Um, and, and years and years when I was a kid, years earlier, my dad had a friend who rode his bike from a town in central New Jersey where I'm from to another town in central New Jersey. Uh, and I remember seeing this, this is like, must've been like 40 miles, 30, 40 miles or so. And I was like, that is so cool. He could just do that. Um, and so all these things sort of like they build up over time, um, I start getting uh, on the bike and I sort of discover through a process of Googling and finding different things to, you know, see how I could learn to lose weight while riding a bike. I stumble across a lot of different resources and this is where things like really start to come together and I realize you can combine camping, which I'm a total camping gear nerd, which is one of the things I really love about Pedal Shift is that you explore that stuff like you know, into minutia. Um, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really do like that. I was like, freezer bag cooking. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, like, like at some point, my camping gear nerd intersected with my map nerd. And, you know, and, and the bicycle is just something that like really fits me. It fits my body, uh, my, you know, my body type and my physicality. And, um, this is sort of like where, where it started. That's where the interest in it started. And a friend of mine over dinner years ago said, you know, I've always wanted to do one of these things where you like go away on the, for the weekend on a bike and you go camping. I don't remember if she called it bike touring or bike camping or whatever at that point. But she kind of said this casually and we were at dinner with like maybe like 10 or 12 friends. And I looked at her and I was like, don't mess with me because this is something that I will actually like, we're going to do this thing now. Um, so that was my that was my first uh, first bike camping experience. A short tour. I've only done short like weekend things, and that was from Central New Jersey down to Cape May. Uh, I called oh, nice! It, I called it Midway to Cape May because there's a high point to Cape May ride that we knew neither of us were physically capable of of pulling off at that point in time. But we started at Central, you know, at this point in Central New Jersey, and did a two day ride down to the Cape May lighthouse and dramatically held our very heavy hybrid bikes over our heads, which I didn't realize how light bikes actually like can be or should be. They're very heavy. I was like, I don't know how people do this. Um, but it was great. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun and I learned a lot even on that, that first ride, but I got bit, you know, I got bit by the bug and, um, I am just kind of like always trying to figure out ways that I can squeeze more, squeeze more time out so that I can maybe do something longer than a weekend. That's awesome. I, I think that a lot of people who aren't familiar with New Jersey don't realize that there is a lot to New Jersey that is past the stereotypes and yeah. how beautiful the Garden State truly can be in a lot of places. And I, I never considered doing a bike tour in South Jersey like that, but I do know the Cape May area is just gorgeous. There's um, actually a dog beach that's not very far from there that we take our dogs to periodically if we're kind of coming and going in the, the general vicinity. And um, there's great bike lanes and there's great infrastructure in at least that part. So I was like, oh, this could be a good place to go sometimes. So it's awesome to hear that that was sort of your beginning. Yeah, it definitely was. Um, but you know, like that's, 
there's not much there. They're they're missing out. Like they're totally missing out on the bike tourism economy. Uh, there is no, and just the bicycle economy in general. Um, it the roads are not friendly for the most part. I mean, if you you look at this in the context of like when the state was settled, you know, like when the area was settled and then when it became a state, they're just smaller roads. They're very very narrow shoulders in a lot of places. And it's got that, like, East Coast, you know, New York, Philly, Washington, Metro energy where people um, are not super patient and they don't yeah. they don't get bike touring in a lot of ways. They don't understand why you would do it, why anybody in the world would do it. Um, so it's a great place. Like, I really love where I'm from. I know it's the I know it's the butt of a lot of jokes. I know. Florida, it's almost too easy, right? Florida's working on it. Florida's working on taking <laughs> the reins from New Jersey, but um, you know, it's um, it's a it's a great place, and I, I really, really hope that they can do something to really boost the cycling infrastructure because um, from a from an economy point of view, an economic point of view, from a public health point of view, um, they're just they're missing out. You know, they're missing out on a lot of dollars, and um, they don't realize that. Yeah, you've had Ellie Blue on your show to talk about that kind of stuff before, haven't you? Uh, her book, uh, Bikeonomics, speaks to a lot of that. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, Bikeonomics is a fantastic, uh, fantastic resource. I have to memorize it in order to have this, these kinds of conversations. I just heard on the Sprocket podcast that just came out as we record this uh, that she has a revised edition coming out because she sold out of the first edition. So there's new stuff in it. And uh, I guess there's a whole reorganization of the footnotes and things like that. So as a resource, I think um, the new version sounds pretty good. So I'll probably be going out and getting that as well. Yeah, well, Uh, the first one, I think, came out in 2013. So just look at all the new information, all the new data that we've got in the past two years, because it's really like hockey stick kind of trajectory. Oh, yeah. Well, it's funny you should say that. That was going to be sort of my next question. It's from a personal perspective, you know, I'm seeing a lot of changes in bike touring, not just sort of the things that you were talking about there, but also, you know, it used to be, I think, back in the day, kind of, I've said this before on the show, that's been a lot of white dudes out there doing it. And I've noticed in the more recent years, last couple of years in particular, I'm seeing a much broader diversity, more women, more people of color that I encounter out on the roads. Now, granted, this is just, you know, my data points here that I'm seeing, but it's making me feel really good that this really awesome, healthy, cool activity that can give you a sense of adventure is going beyond just sort of what it's been before. And I was curious what your experience was. Well, you know, I... I agree with you. Um, I agree with you that I do think we we see more diversity. Of course, then again, I did I did move across the country to Portland, where there's <laughs> a lot of the diversity questions. Another is another topic, but that's um, a longer. Yeah, that's a big topic. But right there. yeah, yeah, no yeah. doubt. But um, you know, in terms of how many different people are riding bikes, other than you know, the spandex, you know, like we're wearing white dudes, as it were, um, you know, you just see that so much more. And so perhaps I'm thinking about that anecdotally, because I'm in a place where cycling is much, much, much more broadly accepted as a form of transportation. But I do think we see this. I mean, we obviously see this with the work that, um, you know, that Monica Garrison's doing, and Mm. that her, her sheroes at Black Girls Do Bike are doing. Um, and I think it's absolutely fantastic. I mean, cycling is is such an empowering thing, whether you're talking about transportation or moving your body 50 miles so that you can be pseudo self-sufficient and camp out for the night. Like, it's an amazing, empowering thing. And 
the more that people do it and the more that people like claim that personal power, like it's, it's only going to get better for us. I, I agree. And I think that it's important to have the resources. This sort of circles back to what we talked about with Jersey that, you know, maybe it doesn't have the infrastructure that it could given, you know, the beautiful beaches and all the different places that you've got to go to. You know, I know Portland, you can point your bike in any direction. And you've got often uh, bike lanes or bike trails that will take you to some pretty spectacular places. D.C., we've got sort of the same thing with the CNO Trail um, alone. And there are other options as well, you know, kind of the Atlantic bike route. And you've got the Pacific Coastal bike route and uh, a lot of other bike routes that go through uh, the Portland area. So having the, those resources and then sort of that intersection of bike tourism, that makes such a big difference versus being in a place like, let me just pick on a city, Dallas, for instance, you know, where – the the infrastructure is practically non-existent and you sort of have to do it differently to be able to sort of choose your own adventure with it all. Yeah, well, I mean, infrastructure just makes people feel safer. It yeah. makes cyclists feel safer um, and it makes drivers feel safer too. I think that drivers prefer it because it, you know, gives cyclists a lane to stay out of theirs, um, as it were. So um, I just, I just think it's, I just think it's smart and the bikeonomics, uh, you know, Ellie Blue points out a lot of the, the return on investment and those sorts of things. Um, granted that said, you know, and I love that there's like so many cities that are sort of competing for this, you know, America's bicycling city or like whatever that league, whatever the, the yeah. official moniker is. Um, I love that these towns are really pushing themselves to keep growing and keep developing, um, the advances you see in New York, the advances you've seen in uh, Minneapolis and Pittsburgh. Let me, let me throw DC in there because this, oh, DC, this city. You guys just you guys just took that, right? Didn't you just take pretty the much. top on that? It's it's remarkable. I moved here um, uh, right at the beginning of January in two thousand one, and the difference between then and now. And I came from Portland, so you know I'm coming from a city that was about ready to just blow up in terms of bicycling infrastructure, and it was important to a place where it was sort of like, eh, yeah, there's a couple of bike trails, but everybody uses it just for fitness. To where it is now, where it's usually mentioned with Minneapolis and Portland in the top three in yeah. some lists, it's kind of amazing, and and it's great to see because frankly, it's easier to get around this town on bike than metro certainly these days, and driving is just a disaster. So I mean, it's it's amazing how a little bit of infrastructure changes can make such a big difference for all the reasons that you talked about. It, it's true, and I, I do think that there's still a lot of like inequity and in distribution in that. Um, Yes, for sure. There's, you know, because there are lots of places where these these trails don't go and there aren't bike shops. You know, there's like the, the bike shop desert. So you can have, um, you know, you can get some people access to bikes. But if they break down, they how do they get them fixed if they don't have the, the mechanical skills or the tools? Um, so I think that that's sort of this next wave, at least as far as I'm noticing. And I'm not a transportation expert by any means, but... That's what I'm noticing is the, is the next wave of advocacy, which is, okay, great. We've done some good things. People are starting to kind of like buy into the bike thing. How do we make it equitable for all of the communities? Because we live in these diverse tapestries of, of metro areas. How do we make it so that everybody has access? Yeah, here, here. I like that. Um, I want to go back to bicycle touring sort of itself Please. and sort of your your vibe. Um and I'm curious, do you, and it sounds like in your first uh, tour, you rode with uh, another person. Do you prefer riding solo or with a group? And it sounds like that you're more of a 
load your bike up and go type of a thing versus having a supported ride. I'm just curious what sort of your your preferences with bicycle touring. Yeah. Well, my my personal preference is I'm an introvert. Um I like having time alone. Um and this is you know, riding a bike is like moving meditation for me and it's just really helpful. Uh so I prefer solo touring. However, uh, I think that there are advantages to going with a group. Um, I just went out two weeks ago, I think two weeks ago, on a on a group of bike camping weekend thing with um, a, a group here in Portland. And I, I find it, I like I, as an introvert, I'm kind of like sometimes challenged by large groups. Um, so I like being able to kind of like dip in and then dip back out again. But sure. um I had to ride out there on that weekend alone because I left later than the group was leaving because of my work situation. And um, I noticed that like the ride back was so much more fun when I left, when I returned back with the group, it was like, it was a lot more fun than my, my solo ride out there. So, um, you know, I'm noticing maybe that's starting to shift for me a little bit, you know, maybe I'm starting to be a little more open to going with groups, but I, I like the alone time. I like being able to set my own pace, not having to worry about the dynamics with other riders. Um, but I, I think that there is a place, especially for beginners, I think that there is a place for going, you know, with one or two friends or with going with a group that is specifically meant to support beginners. Um, also, yes, I do prefer unsupported. I just am kind of like, I just like my routines and my ways of doing things. Um, but I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm certain that having, having, you know, like a fancy pants supported bike tour, you know, like a supported adventure cycling bike tour, women tours thing would be, that'd probably be pretty sweet. But right now it's, you know, I haven't run the gamut with my, with my unsupported nature yet. I'm sort of exactly the same way. And I did a supported tour as my sort of first big tour, and uh, I found that I just didn't like having all of my start and stop times and all my meals and all these things sort of dictated. And although I didn't have to ride loaded, I I still actually rode with a pannier or two, and there were all these folks on road bikes that were like, why are you bringing all this stuff? They have trucks, you know? Yeah. So it was was funny. I I felt like I was the rebel in the whole thing, and uh, I think that there is such a great place for them. There's so many great supported uh, tour companies companies out there and groups and, and entities. And, you know, if it's the way you want to ride, I think it's awesome. But um, I, I have found that at least I'm attracted to going to some of these places and I'll see the um, the catalogs, you know, the REI catalogs or the adventure cycling catalogs, you know, saying, hey, we're going to go to Death Valley in the spring or something like that. Oh, wow, that'd be really great. And I'm like, I can just go to Death Valley in the spring myself. So, you know, right. that's that's sort of always been my thing. But I, I, so happy that they exist because it's certainly a, a gateway for people who want that extra support or want to be in a distinct group because there's so much awesomeness when you have a good group dynamic like that. Yeah, so. totally. And I think that, you know, I think that the opposite of that is true also, but for the most part, I, you know, you're, you're looking at people who are kind of all have the same goal and they're all have this adventurous spirit and um it's a wonderful wonderful gateway drug you know to to this like touring lifestyle and if it helps make it more accessible for beginners because you're not worried about you know what if what if what if with the mechanicals or do i have enough food or where's the mm-hmm. store i don't know what to do i think it's a a great entry way great entry yeah. way 
Yeah, I totally agree. What's the biggest tour that you've tackled so far? And is there one that's sort of on the horizon for you that's either bucket list or one that you've got planned? You know, um, I have only done the weekend thing. So the longest that I've done has been has been like two nights. Um, I did a ride out to the coast over the from Portland to um, to where out past Tillamook. So to to the Oregon coast. And you go over this like intercoastal mountain range, which I did not respect on the map until I was (laughs) on it. And I was like, you are a mountain. Okay. Now, Kat, did you take the, the, the Max out to Hillsborough and then go, or did you go up and over the West Hills? For that one, I did take the Max out. Yeah, I have ridden that's... over the West Hills. Um, I did that earlier this year, but... Yeah, that's just no fun. <laughs> well, so... you know, the other thing is that I was still doing it on the same hybrid bike that I got in 2009, sure. which is was a great, like a really great bike, but it had front suspension. It was heavy. It didn't actually really fit me as well as it could have, and... Um, I, you know, I really like labored. It was very, very, uh, it was not like the easiest thing in the world. Of course, if it were easy, you know, we it wouldn't all be know how that goes, right? <laughs> um, if it were easy, it wouldn't be so hard. But yeah, I was not in any type of shape to go over the hills and then attempt to get over the, you know, into the, the mountain range, the intercoastal mountain range that night. Um, but, you know, I've learned a lot since then, too. I've learned a lot about and I've also gotten a new bike um, and, and better conditioned. But I've learned a lot about, like, why it's important to leave, like, really early in your day. Oh, yeah. um, you know, these are only things that I, I think the, the biggest thing is that we kind of, like, we want to wait until things are perfect, until you know everything, because we're so afraid, like, we're conditioned to be really afraid of things. But um, it's probably going to be fine. And you're not going to learn that thing until you do it the non-optimal way anyway you know and that's that's actually how we learn um so my longest tours like i they're really weekends and this is kind of where i get i get a little exposed here because like gosh that's something i really want to go out on longer tours but i've i've never done it and um i think my you know being here being in this particular town that just has such an amazing um and this state that has such an amazing like bikeways culture and, you know, bike traveling culture. Uh, I think the first thing I would do is um, Vancouver to Portland. Vancouver, uh, BC, BC, not Washington. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Vancouver, Washington, and Portland is not not very extensive. <laughs> that, that would not require an overnight. No, and I've done that slow. several times. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, unless you're very slow. So I think, you know, I'd love to do the Pacific Coast thing. I know it's been done by a lot of people. That helps me also to feel a little more safe and secure with that because it's just so well-trodden. And there's, you know, you can find just endless journals. I mean, I, I listened, listened to your uh, ride journal when you did it, and that was, you know, that was pretty awesome. Um, lots of lots of really great info out there. But I'm also the kind of person who, like, I love, I love maps and I love to daydream about this stuff. Mm-hmm. For the longest time, I had two maps over my computer in my cubicle at my old cube farm job and um one of them was the amtrak map like of all the amtrak routes and the other one was the adventure cycling map and i just these two things sat right next to each other and i was just like oh man i would go everywhere like i would love (laughs) to just do this whole crazy huge thing i think though um in terms of like what's the next bite what's the next thing it's gonna be west coast and it'll I don't know if it'll be the whole West Coast or if it'll just be Vancouver to Portland, 
but that's what's uh, I think that's what's next. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and I've done portions of that. I d- I've done the whole coast, but uh, that Vancouver to, to um, Portland stretch is really nice, so I think you'll enjoy the heck out of that. That's great. Yeah, I'm excited. And, and I also would say um, most people, I think that most of the tours that I do are actually two days long at most, um, just because, I mean, life happens, and unless you're one of those types that has an insanely flexible schedule or, you know, has is in between kind of life changes and things like that. It's hard to pull together these multi-week um, ones. So I think that finding that sense of adventure in a couple of days is real easy. And I, I always encourage people to fit in whatever you can with whatever time you have. So but always dream big. I love that. I love the dream and big part. Yeah, exactly. Um, I wanted to chat a little bit about some quasi recent news as we record this. It's not exactly like just the other day, but um, Lil Wilcox won this year's Trans Am race. And since you do a podcast about women in bicycling, I'm curious what your thoughts are about her win this year and how that fits in the broader history of women in bicycling. You know, I am um, I am so excited and encouraged by what we've seen, you know, these drastic changes that we've seen over the past, you know, five years, two years, one year, six months in terms of the women's cycling movement. And what Leah Wilcox did essentially with being, you know, with winning the Trans Am race, not just winning in the the female category, you know, as a woman, but straight up winning. Yeah. Yeah. Just like one. Um, I just think it's fantastic because because there's the headline, right? Like, that's what we know. That's like the the top thing, even if you just kind of like consume the headline about it, that's pretty cool. Um, but the broader implications, uh, not only is it exciting um, and it's, you know, helps to generate interest, um, but I think it speaks to ultimately to physical ability there. There's lots of dialogue in the community about like, well, you know, women can't compete with men because there are like physical differences. Okay. Um, you know what? Like I am not in a position where I'm well studied to say certain things about this. Um, but I think that it helps to change that perspective in people's minds. Now, granted, we have to take this all, I think, with this grain of salt, which is that the you you know when you actually like get into the details of the story she was trailing behind someone she was trailing behind a man for a while and had made uh i think a wrong turn someplace and he waited for her to come back and actually like extended an olive's branch and said hey let's finish this thing together um so you know as we as i say this about physical ability you know she was trailing for a good deal of the time it's not like she was like blowing everybody out of the water but um, immediately it does, though, start to question, well, well can, can women compete on the, same, on the same level as men? Like, it starts to set that up in, in terms of, like, it's not now a given that, you know, these, that there are differences between the genders in terms of, like, the, the strength and endurance and, like, what you can do. And now it's, like, actually asking a question of, like, and, and putting something of, of interest in our minds. But... Going back to the piece where she was extended this olives branch to like finish together, and she said, "No, I'm, this is a race." Right. Um, I think it speaks to the competitiveness of women, 
I think it speaks to this idea, and I touched on it in one of the episodes, uh, you know, we talked about it with Elizabeth Reincourt um, about, like, women's racing, which is this idea that, like, women don't have a really great outlet for being competitive with themselves or with each other or with other people. Um, and so I think that this starts, this starts to, like, have these implications of, well... No, you don't have to accept the olives branch just because he waited there for you. Um, it is still a race. That was his choice to wait. And the race is on. Um, there's there's a lot here. There's a lot here that's like kind of like wrapped up in this. Um, was was it impolite of her to not accept the olives branch and, and finish the ride with him arm in arm? You know what I mean? Like, was that right. not a polite thing for her to do? Do we have to be polite or can we just like do the things that we want to do i think it's fantastic i think it's absolutely fantastic and um and it's really exciting to see the headline to see that you know to see that that is like getting shares and getting attention to put the question in people's minds about physical ability and about competitiveness and um also like would he have done that if she were not a woman would he have done that for a dude you know like it we we need to i think question some of the assumptions that we have and that Absolutely. is the you know where this goes in the broader sense of history or or her story as we can say here there you go right yes it's a friendly place to say that um i i i think that my instinct is to say this was a true win because the way this race is it is it's essentially you follow the trans am you do it as fast as you can you do it how you want you can deviate from the route if you want but i mean it's basically get on your bike go unsupported and go so there's no asterisks here she came across the line first regardless of any of the other aspects of it um and p.s that's a, a physical mental accomplishment and a, an athletic accomplishment for the ages for as far as I'm concerned because she blew away records too I mean let's not forget that too it's not like she you know did a the 10th best time of all time and that there were other factors here I I just I was just so impressed and you know I'm a bit of a, a bike history nut and uh, one of the episodes of the show early on was about uh, one of the women who sort of anecdotally went around the world for the first time. She was the first person or first woman to do it. Um, Annie Londonderry. I don't know if you've ever crossed paths with uh, uh, that story before, but you know, that's become a piece of bike legend and bike lore. And I'm, I'm feeling like that Lael Wilcox may be mentioned in the same breath as her, um, as, as history starts to be written more. And, uh, that, that I think is really exciting. It was really such a great thing to witness and see watch the dots you know and all that other kind of stuff it was just really cool to see as it was happening that's awesome yeah i wanted to wrap up the show by asking you a question about the thing that you often wrap your show up with and that is a quote by anais nin the great great writer of uh, i guess that we'll call it the early 20th century and the quote is life shrinks or expands in proportion to one's courage which is just such a great line and i think it speaks to uh so much to what a sense of adventure can do for one's life. And I'm curious, sort of, what's the most courageous thing that you've done and how has that expanded your life? And it was that sort of the thing that you're touching on when you make, when you say this quote at the end of every show? Um, I think the most courageous thing I've ever done um, in this, I'll kind of like keep it within this context, is that I moved across the country just not like people, you know, yeah, people do that. Um, 
when some people do it multiple times some people do it uh <laughs> by bike i guess oh, yeah. but you know like uh but for me anyway moving across the country was a big deal and my partner at the time now wife what we did was we basically sold a lot of our stuff and bought an rv and did this long crazy rv trip across the country um so essentially houseless for eight weeks while we were on the road um, and longer if you include after we landed in Portland. But yeah, like bought, um, decided to move to Portland and sold a bunch of stuff and bought an RV and traveled across the country in this like really kind of ridiculous fashion. Um, that Sounds was, like fun to me, actually. It but, was, you, know, yeah. you know, it was really, it was great. We learned so much. We learned so much about the country. We learned so much about ourselves and about each other. Mm. And um, it was a really fantastic journey. It was challenging at times because we both worked while we did this, which I do not recommend. If you want to do this thing, do it. Don't wait until you're retired. Don't wait until you have the time in some distant, far-off future um, because nothing in life is guaranteed. You don't, you're not guaranteed to get to retirement, so, like, live your life now. And that was kind of the, that was kind of, like, the impetus for this because we talked about that, well, later, later, later. It's like, well, what if there's no later, you know? Like, um, and I, and it's expanded my life because like, frankly, this, um, this town's amazing. It's helped to shape a lot of who I've become over the past two and a half years since I've been here. And it doesn't sound like a long period of time, but, um, it's been very rich in my development. Very, very rich. So, you know, uh, some of these things are like, you don't know what you're going to get out of it until until you just like have the courage to try something new and um that quote has has been a favorite of mine it's been a touchstone of mine for years because i just think it's so true no matter what it is that you're talking about whether you're talking about um some physical fitness regimen because you know you've got a ton of 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 weight to lose and you just want to live a healthier life or whether you're talking about going on an adventure or trying to do a change in careers or asking someone out on a date, you know, like life shrinks or expands in proportion to one's courage. And if you remember that, um, I think it can really, it can really fuel like your desire to, to move forward with things. Kat, where can we listen to the joy ride? If, uh, people who are listening to the show haven't listened to it yet where, where where can they find you yeah so the joyride podcast is available on itunes and on stitcher uh right now i have it also like kind of embedded with my personal blog which is called girl eats bike um it the joyride will move to its own url at some point in the very near future but right now um if you look for girl eats bike on any social media or, you know, just girleadsbike.com, you can find the joyride there. Or, you know, search for it where, wherever you acquire your podcasts. Kat, thanks so much for joining. I really dig the show, and I'm just so excited to hear more of it in the future. You've got some great stuff and great voices. So thanks so much for uh, coming on Pedal Shift. Tim, you're awesome. Thanks for doing the Pedal Shift. I really appreciate it. Keep, keep nerding out. There's my golf clap for myself. Uh, that was seriously, though, that was a lot of fun to record that with Tim. Um, it was 
pretty cool because uh, I've, I've definitely been listening to his podcast on my bike commute. And so it was really fun to like have that really personal interaction with him. Um, so here's my, my little asterisk. Here's my follow up about Leo Wilcox. You know, I realized like listening back at this, that I don't really feel like my tone is giving Lael Wilcox the accolades that she deserves. Um, she totally rocked out an unsupported race across the entire United States of America. You know what I mean? Like, coast to coast. She rocked out this unsupported race. Um, this is, like, going as hard and fast as you can, very little sleep, taking care of your own mechanical issues. And, um, you know, I realized that, like, I'd kind of been holding on to, like, one little thing of it as, like, sort of this, sort of this, like, well, you know, this guy stopped for her. The fact of the matter is, is that, you know, she won, she won fair and square. And, um, I did not follow the race enough to know any of those details about how, you know, about the pace or how she was doing at any point in time. Um, I got all of the information from like, basically, I think one or two articles, including a video. Um, so I was really like, not super informed and I think it came off that way and I just want to make sure that you know that credit is is given where credit is due because she's a total badass she won the bike race across America and uh, she is certainly someone who is going to be up there in cycling herstory All right, friends. So if you have anybody that you would like to suggest as a guest on the show, feel free to email me or you can go to bit.ly forward slash joyride guest. If you would maybe like to have a chat, that's bit.ly forward slash joyride guest. Um, hit me up. Let me know uh, who you like, what you're doing, who to follow. Like, just communicate with me. Talk to me. Talk to me, goose. Friends. As always, I appreciate your time and your attention. Remember, life shrinks or expands in proportion to one's courage. Keep moving forward, and until next time, I hope you enjoy the ride. <laughs>